What's up, everybody, and welcome back to yet another installment here at the Blackstone Labs headquarters of Ask PJ Braun, the most anticipated podcast in the world. In the world. Because if we don't get this shit done, boy, y'all don't like it. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I think they should, they should, you know, well, they're going to hear this one. It's going to be too late because this one will be out. But I feel like they should sit and, like, like let that other one marinate, the Flex Wheeler one. Yeah. I mean... That, Listen to it a couple it's more such times. such a good one. I've had so many people DM me off that mm -hmm. one and been like, yo, you guys are hilarious. This is, this one got me the most people commenting on, on how good it was from people that are already regular listeners. Okay. But I feel like this would be a good one to pull new people in as well if they haven't listened to us before. Oh, absolutely. Anybody that you know maybe saw it because Flix posted it. Mm. Um, before we start this one, I'm going to say shout out to our homeboy, OG Fit, for sending everybody some Christmas uh, desserts. Where's mine? We appreciate it. Um, there was a, there's a whole box of them. God damn it! I think they may still be in the call center. Really? Yeah. Hold on a second. These aren't really your style. Let me try one. They're not really your style. They're, They're not. No. Oh, they. They're oh, not really your okay. style. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. No. I'll save those for the rest of the crew. Good. Um, Good. Thank you for that. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> that would have ended up real bad. If you were Sammy, I'd let you do it. <laughs> You were there when I got him, right? For the vape pen. Oh, man. So um, now that we've got our honorable mentions out of the way, um, thank you to all the wonderful Legion members that have sent Christmas gifts to us. Legion members sending gifts. Yeah. How about that? Apparently, uh, Trisha Snaps Fit Picks also sent us one. Really? Yeah. She is a very, very good poster, by I, the way. And not she's, like, that, on it. And, and she, like, she's a great example. Because, like, I she has at least one kid, maybe two. I'm not 100% sure mm -hmm. on that. But she has at least one kid that, like, when she told me that, I was like, dude, there's doesn't look like you've ever been pregnant in yeah. your life. Like, she's so tiny and tight. Um, so she's a great example for other mothers out there that, you know, after have they have their, their kid, they want to get back in shape and look fit. And they always say, oh, well, I don't think I'll ever look the same again. Pfft. She looks like she's never had a baby. No, she so. – now, whenever, whenever I say, like, somebody is a good poster – a lot of people are like, what the fuck does that mean? Excuse my language. Like, what, what makes a good poster, right? But really, the key to being a good poster is just posting a lot. Huh. So, like, I just was curious because I haven't looked today. But I'm So, I'm going to click on her story right now, right? And I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 16, 17, 17 posts in 24 hours. Now, here's the deal. Under story, right? Yep. One of them was about Blackstone Labs, right? And it was a good post. Um, there's a bunch with her little girl. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some stuff with her um, showing some deals, shopping, some good deals. Then there's her in the gym. Then there's her... Uh, showing like a shake that she was making. Then there's her checking herself out in the mirror. Then she's got, she's doing a little bananas and cinnamon thing. That looks pretty delicious, actually. Then she's showing um, some collagen B6, turmeric, dandelion root, all good stuff for, for women to take. So um, she's got some music mixed in. So when I try to explain to people and they're like, oh, I don't want to seem like salesy. Well, then you shouldn't be in an ambassador program. You shouldn't be an affiliate to a company. You shouldn't try to be sponsored by a company because that's your fucking job. Excuse my language. Or you should just not only post about sales. Yeah. So post well, about other shit too. So when I say somebody is a good poster, that means they're doing their job that we asked for, but they're doing it in a way where it doesn't bother anybody or offend anybody because it fits with the flow, which is what 
I was trying to explain to people with the way that I do the fresh meals, I basically just show my day or how much of my day I feel like showing on a particular day. And part of my day happens to be when I eat the fresh meals. So I take a picture of it and I add it in. But I also show myself in the gym training. I might show some food. I might show something in my car, my dogs, my cats. So a good poster is somebody that shows their day and their story and how the product fits into their day. A lot of people overthink it and they're like, you know, how can I stand hold, holding this bottle to make it look different? And that drives me crazy when people are focused on that. Yeah, I mean, like people also DM me or, or email me and ask, you know, what's the best way to promote my code? Um, to be honest, and maybe you don't like watch YouTube because like I don't watch TV. I just watch YouTube. Um, I don't want to watch what somebody tells me to watch. I want to pick what I want to watch. Mm -hmm. So if you even if you pay for a, a thousand channels, you're only able to watch what they're telling you yeah. to watch. So first off, you know, when it comes to that idea right off the bat, I'm doing what I want. Me as a consumer, I'm choosing right off the bat who I'm going to watch. Yeah. The only people that I choose to watch are people that are a genuine mm -hmm. and be original. If I think you're doing the same thing as the next guy or if I think you're super fake, there's no chance I'm coming back to your channel to watch you. So if I watch you on YouTube, there's a good chance I'm going to follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Probably just because I like you. I think you're cool. Mm -hmm. I think what you do is cool. And if somebody that, let's say I started following them on YouTube because of sneakers, I followed them on Instagram, and then they started posting about a sock company that supports them. I I've bought socks like that. Yeah. I, you, you know what I mean? Like it, People make it seem like it's so terrible or it's so hard to come up with new content or new ways to promote a product. And it's like, well, if you're really using it, I don't know I agree. why this is so no. hard. Because I wake up every day and choose what clothes I'm going to wear. And then when I go to the gym, I obviously use my dust before my pre-workout. So just like everything else in your life, just show people what you're doing, why, mm -hmm. why you're doing it. That's like in the, in the like welcome email, I, I tell you just show people what your favorite products are and how you use them in your daily life. I'm not asking you if you're a woman that's never taken anabolics to promote abnormal. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, so if you're just keeping it real with people is another thing that really pr promotes your following and promotes what you have to say and solidifies what you're saying is if you're changing the supplement brand that you're promoting every week or every month and last week it was bro labs and next week it's tall guy labs or whatever it is. And how does anybody ever build up an, an opinion of what your actual yeah. opinion is? So the whole, to me, like the whole point of social media, I, I don't understand how people don't all <laughs> agree with me on this, but I don't see what the point of social media is if you're not trying to sell something. I just don't like, I get like, okay, there's people that use Facebook to kind of keep up with family or friends, like for the pictures side of it. I get that. But to me, I can't, if I wasn't selling Blackstone Labs, I'd figure something else to sell on the social media. Like that's, you know, I've built n numerous other businesses around that model as well. So I now have certain athletes that will, will come to me, you know, before they're with Blackstone Labs, for instance, and they'll say, well, listen, I'm not a salesman. I'm a professional bodybuilder. And I'm like, okay, so what does that so mean? So you're not interested in selling yourself? Yeah. I mean, I mean, why should you... Sounds like you have all the money in the world. Why should you benefit from being a professional bodybuilder, though? I don't get it. You know, like bodybuilding is not a sport, although people like to call it that. Like you're not going to be doing something on TV where people are going to be paying for tickets to go watch you and and their sponsors, you know, like Coke and Pepsi coming in and there's money going all over the place. You're just you're going to work out and you're going to go on a stage and the promoter of that show, I guess, will make money from selling tickets and stuff. But me as the as the the guy that you're looking to to sponsor you, like what am I going to get from you working out hard in the gym? Like 
It doesn't generate revenue the way people yeah. think it does. So if you're not out there telling people that you're taking my products and my products are helping you get big, then what can you possibly offer? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. And I've, I've had this conversation more than once. And, um, you know, I, I was just having the conversation with Tara the other day, the same thing that, you know, it blows my mind that like when I did my show, I was already working here obviously. And Blackstone did pay for me to enter the show, mm -hmm. but that's what Blackstone paid for was my admission cost. And I think my IF or the NPC, NPC card, card. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so, other than that, like, and that was amazing that Blackstone offered for them to pay that for me when I'm just a nobody that's never done this before that just wants to have fun because I work at a supplement brand. They offer, if you want to go and try this, you, yeah. you know, here you go, have fun. <laughs> we support you. But other than that, I never can wrap my head around this feeling of entitlement that, Hey, I went to the gym for a certain period of time. I worked out. This is how good I look. Buy me shit. Yeah. And, but it's, there's so much of it. It's, it's I just don't understand how, like, no matter what, even before social media or before this whole crazy persona or mindset came about, like, do you think that there were people in Arnold's era that went to the gym for a couple of years and then one day were like, why shouldn't you pay my rent? Yeah, there's, what do there, you mean? there's a big difference because I've been in the industry long enough to see it. When I was coming up, we all, of course, wanted to have a sponsor. Like, you know, I think when you're, when you're very young and you're first getting into the industry, you know, you're, you're, you're following these guys in the magazines back then that seemed so larger than life. And the magazines portray this to be this amazing lifestyle. So as a young guy coming up, you're like, man, I got to get a, a supplement sponsorship so I can live this lifestyle and just bodybuild all day. But then you hit a certain age for, for most of us. I, I would say it was like 25, 26, where you realize that's just not realistic. Now there are no magazines. Now it's all just instant on your phone, which I would think would make people learn faster that it's not what you think. That it's not what you think. I mean, one of the best things that, I, that I've ever heard like a pro say was from uh, Darren Hollywood Glenn, right? And he basically started out the little story that he, he told just how I just did. That, you know, he was like, man, I, looking at the magazines, like he couldn't wait for that day to come. And then he got his pro card. He won the USA. He was a Mr. USA. He's like, man, I went home the best bodybuilder in USA, won the overall championship. He's like, and I thought the phone was going to be ringing off the hook the next day. He's like, no one called. And I'm like, well, maybe they're waiting. He's like, no one called, no one called. And he's like, and time went by. He's like, I didn't get one call, not a single call. He's like, so that I decided I'll start calling some people. And he's like, and I called, you know, company after company after company, and nobody was interested. Then finally we were. But the point that he was making was what was portrayed, you know, by the industry or by the magazines at the time. Now I suppose it could be by social media is so far from the truth. And, and I told a, one of our particular athletes the other day who was like, you know, what can I do to further myself with Blackstone Labs if I don't want to post all the time? And I was like, well, to be honest with you, if I didn't like you, I would fire you just for asking me that. Um, I said, but I'm assuming you just haven't thought this out the right way. So I went through and I gave him a very long explanation, which I do think I enlightened him a lot. Because if you just took that and applied that to any other job in yep. any other industry, you would be fired. Yeah. How can I like do better with this company, but without doing work? Yeah. You know? How can I do better, be seen as something better without actually improving? It's like, you know, you hired me at this auto body shop, told me I got to work for a little while to prove myself. You know, you got me changing tires and stuff. Like, I don't do that. I've changed a couple tires, man. I, I don't do that. Now, I can, I can absolutely, I can absolutely do all the fine tunings. I'm above changing the tires. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to do this part. So I'm above. What that. do I got to do to skip doing it? So that I can thing, get to the part that, that I thing that you do. 
Mr. CEO, I'm actually above that. So you should give me money to not do the thing that you do. Well, who st who who started this? Is it the parents? I and I like I told you the other day. I think it literally just comes from getting a trophy for being in third place. Yeah. Everybody getting a trophy from childhood and in early age and never having to accept failure and then never never having to accept failure means never having to accept working hard. Working harder. Or, I, I, or working at all. And especially and really what I think it comes from is the Instagram lifestyle mm -hmm. that is portrayed. Nobody posts their losses. Yeah. Nobody posts their failures. Everybody always makes their life seem better than it is. Mm -hmm. Even me. Yeah. And of course we all do. Everybody gets this fucked up sense of, wow, my life is so much shittier than it is. And their life is so much better than it is. So then they walk around thinking, well, these other people are getting their entire life paid for, for posting on Instagram. Can I do that? And then once they think that they can do that, they're like, okay, so now how can I get my entire life paid for without posting? Yeah. What, what, I'm, this is making me think is, is like, what if, what if we like flip the, 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 the script and we just only posted all the bad shit that we deal with all the time? What would happen? Honestly, I feel like our followers would probably explode because <laughs> <laughs> we would have so much shit to post about. <laughs> I just wonder what, what would happen. Um, like, like, cause pretty we much break pretty, the internet. pretty much every day. At the very least, something really annoying happens to me. At the so very like, least. In that moment, if I'm like, you know what? I got to put this annoying-ass moment out there for, for everybody to see. Now there's also the very bad stuff. There's all the financially stressful stuff. Like Speaking of bad shit, Tara just texted me, and she goes, I'm so annoyed right now. Uh, I'm at the dentist. They just put the Novocaine in my mouth, and for no reason, the machine that they use is starting to overflow, so now I have to reschedule. Oh, <laughs> I have Novocaine in my mouth for no reason. Yeah, but you should probably post that, though. Get that bad yeah. stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that dentist's office will be really happy. That fucking sucks. You know, like, you, you know, they're not posting stuff like that. What if they flip the switch? What if that dentist office was like, today we fucked up the machine and this patient had to wait with Novocaine, put the post out there with her, like, sad in the chair. Maybe there'll be that other side that's like, you know what? They're real. Yeah. I'm going to go get my teeth fixed over there, too. <laughs> Maybe not there, but <laughs> with the overflowing machine. But... Yeah, no, I think that uh, Instagram has, has created itself this persona of a lifestyle that people think exists that really doesn't exist. Mm. All those people that are really getting their life paid for that it, it seems so easy, they're probably making a lot of sales for that company. All I know is you that when, when Instagram shuts down, if that day happens, there's going to be a lot of models out of work. There will be something else to, to replace it far before it goes. Yeah, out. there will. There'll be like it'll be like something that's like 3D. That's and the Facebook next. Facebook will own that too. Oh, of course they will. Of course they will. <laughs> Facebook might own us. We just haven't told you guys yet. So, uh, segueing into the first question, I think this is actually a good little intro. Uh, the first one comes from very loyal Legion member Clementine. She says, what is the best way to build an online coaching business? Well, that is a good question. You're asking somebody that's done it already. So, this is the way that I built mine very successfully. Obviously... Now, their Instagram is much more powerful because when I started my online coaching business, there was no Instagram, actually, which is pretty neat. Just the old blue FB. Dating myself. So um, the way that I had the most success, and I feel that anybody, uh, it, whether you're a nutritionist or you know whatever level of, of trainer you are, I think everybody can benefit from doing this. I posted transformations with testimonials, right? Because that's your work on display. Right there. It's like when you go to, you know, Mercedes and you see the fucking showroom and there's the, the beautiful cars and you figure out, oh, what I got to do to get one of these cars? Well, that's your that's your transformation. People are going to look at that and they're going to be like, wow, what do I got to do to be like that? It's the same thing. That's your that's your showroom. So what I would tell people when I was coaching them is, listen, 
I think you're going to have a great transformation. I have my plan in place to do it. Would you mind writing me a testimonial at the end if you're happy, which I know that you will be? And at, you know, I would, let's say it was 12 weeks, I would have the before picture and the after picture. And the person, if you're a good coach and you're doing your job, was so happy when you change somebody, they, they're very happy. They've achieved their goal and they feel better about themselves. There's a lot of positive that comes with it, right? So they write a very nice testimonial for you. Well, you put up that before and after with a testimonial and you, you say, want results like this, want to be my next uh, testimonial, want to be my next transformation, some catchphrase. Uh, say, sign up now, DM me for details. Now, one thing that I used to do, and this is a little trick that since I'm not coaching anymore, you guys can steal this one, is I would say limited time only, sign up now, and I would either offer a special or I would li literally say only five spaces left. And you know that urgency would get more people to come in and sign up because, oh, I better, I better get in with what this coach is doing now. So that's, that's like your pitch. Your testimonial and your transformation is your pitch. That's the best way to do it. And it's, it's going to work no matter what. And if you don't have those, you're going to be in a tough spot because somebody's got to just take your word for it. So you better really, really know what you have to say to get people to go based just on your word. I wouldn't want to go in that way, especially knowing that there's other coaches that maybe they work with pro bodybuilders or maybe they're weight loss specialists, but regardless, they're going to be able to put that example of their work up there. So if you want to have a successful business, you better start somewhere. Even if you have to start for free, getting testimonials to show off your work online. It all starts from that. Next question comes from a girl, Jen. She says, I'm definitely a little bit behind on these, so I'll be catching up on the videos. Thank you again for doing these. Get comfy. I have a few questions. Oh, boy. So I don't know if you've addressed this in the Flex iCloud because I haven't finished listening to it yet, but I do know that it's going to be about volume and weight and contraction and control. But do you find the, that the hack squat is better than barbell squat for growth in the quad specifically? P.S. I plan on starting to work on those six sets of 20 reps. Uh, very good question, and the simple answer to that is yes, I do. I've been a big hack squat advocate for a long time, and I started out as a powerlifter, so I'm actually allowed to say this because there's going to be a lot of powerlifters that get mad. Um, I could squat a lot at a very early age. I actually have squatted in competition at 19 years old in the 198-pound weight class, drug-free, 550 pounds. So it's needless to say I know how to squat. My legs didn't get truly big and start really looking the way I wanted to until I got into intense sense of, ha of hack squats simply because the overload is directly on the quad in that exercise. Whereas when you squat, you're going to get a lot of hip and glute and hamstrings and you know, your back is supporting the weight. There's a lot more that goes into it. So just an overload of the quads, yes, the hack squat is the way to go. What the fuck? Why is this? Why did that just happen? That was weird. Are you even on your phone? No, it's sitting in between my legs. And that was a video of Dr. Ken. Shout out to Dr. Ken, who I haven't talked to in like months, actually. How did that even? I don't know. I've never even seen it. The phone like, was locked and it did that? Just, it's, it's in between my legs like this. And it just went uh, weird. Weird. Um, all right. Next question <laughs> is, what are your thoughts on... Did you finish the question? Uh, yeah, the six, to 20, 20, the six sets of 20. I mean, here's the deal. You could do... Five sets of 20, you could do four sets of 20, you could do seven sets or let's put it like this. FST7 is based around seven sets okay. of 15. Okay. So 20, I think, is a great number. I sometimes do four sets of 20 on certain exercises. I sometimes do five. I sometimes do six. I sometimes do more sets of 15. But I do think that that is a great number to go for, but you've got to fail at that number is the key. 
Yeah, it doesn't. You, you do ten sets of a hundred reps, yeah, you but you don't ever fail at any of them. It's not. It's very hard to find, especially if you're a beginner. It's very hard to find your weight that you're going to fail at twenty reps on. Most of the time, you're going to do twenty, and you probably could have did twenty five or twenty seven. You just stopped at twenty. Right. That's not the way to do it. It's got to be a really, really hard, burning, very bad set of twenty. I also noticed because, like, I tried to do this with with Tara for the past two days, um, that the the pace changes around rep 15 mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying so absolutely that's another thing to keep your eye out for is the tempo in which you're doing the exercise and yep. making sure that you're keeping the tempo consistent yeah and, and you're gonna get if you're, if you're if you're picking the right way where you're stimulating yourself hard enough you're gonna get tired and sloppy as you get closer to 20 because like i'm trying to get her to understand the mind muscle connection of like we were saying how it's much mentally different to prepare yourself to lift something once or twice mm-hmm. versus lifting it 20 times yeah no matter what the weight is so I was trying to tell her, like, you know, it shouldn't be easy, but you shouldn't only get 15, but you shouldn't be able to get. And then I told her after the next set, I was like, all right, the best way I can explain it to you is I was dying at nine, <laughs> but I made it to 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think, you know, I think for beginners, not just 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 girls that are new to it, it's it's hard to grasp that because Marissa, who's been training pretty hard for a while, you know, when I first started training her legs. She'd be like, I feel like I, I'm not like working out hard enough because like we're not going heavy. And I'm like, trust me, heavy is relative. Well, now what she always says is my legs are so much more sore when you train me. Right. And it's because I'm making her go into those deep rep ranges, which you won't do on your own. Right. You know, you'll squat really heavy 10 times because like somebody told you to do that. But what the fuck? Um, you're not in your own brain going to be able to figure out what 20 reps is by yourself as hard as you can go. You know, right. It's just something that takes a lot of trial and error. It's also really good to have a spot for that last yes, couple reps. Is. All right. So then what are your thoughts on high carb days for weak muscles? Do you do it the night before you're about to work the weak muscle or the day of when I say a weak muscle, I mean, specifically, I mean, specifically me wanting my quads to grow. Well, I mean, I think that depending on the individual, Either way could work or both ways could work because if you're taking in a little excess of, of calories, you're going to have more fuel you know, to burn through when you're training. I think that if you're training in the morning, then loading up in calories the night before is plenty. Right. Um, but if you're training in the afternoon or evening, then you may want to have like a higher carb meal so you have more to burn when you go in. I mean, I train fasted and I'm not necessarily looking to build. Well, I don't want to say I'm not looking to build. I, I want everything to, to of course – be getting better, but I'm not trying to like, you know, dramatically change my size. Now, I suppose if I was that I would probably bookend my workouts with carbs. my calories, yeah. carbs in and after. So I would want the carbs for performance and I would want the carbs for recovery, which is why I would use something like formula 19 because it's in fast both times. Yeah. You don't have carbs in before to have it primed to do the work. And then you would want to have carbs after to recover from whatever you lost. Mm-hmm. All right. What are your thoughts on carb cycling for a clean bulk? If I want to try to stay as lean as possible, but get bigger, do you recommend on non, but get bigger? Do you recommend on non lifting days to do no carbs or keep lower carbs? I know we have a plan. I just want to hear your thoughts. You should never go no carbs when you're not dieting. It's just unnecessary. It's, it's truly unnecessary. You can go lower carbs for sure. Um, but totally unnecessary. It just doesn't benefit you at all. No, you're going to be hungry as hell going into the next day. Like it's not worth it. Do you recommend a rest day the day after working a weak muscle and low intensity cardio? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think rest days actually come the best after you train really, really, really hard, which 
no matter what you do to your body, your legs and your back are going to be way harder days than everything else. Like I can do a really intense arm workout, whether it's a weak body part or not. It's not going to really wipe me out, you know. Same thing with shoulders. I can do a yeah. really hard shoulder workout. It's not going to really wipe me out where I have to take a, a break the next day. Now, when you crush your legs, you know, I, I've had leg workouts that were so intense that it, it actually changed me as a person for the rest of the night where I like <laughs> felt like I was in another world. And those are times when you want to rest. So I think it's also good to have a rest day before you train a muscle that you really want to focus on. So if you've got a week, like let's say your quads are your worst body part and you want to prioritize them. I would do them after a rest day. I always wanted to prioritize my legs, so I rested on Sundays, and I ate a shitload of food, and then I just wrecked my legs on Monday when I was fresh. Okay. I've heard people say that there is really no such thing as a hard gainer, but do you think the fact that I have Crohn's disease and my absorption of nutrients is at a much lower percentage than the average person, that that is why I have only put on 12 pounds of solid muscle in three years? Yes. Do you think that also think that I should increase my dosage on pills because I've always been someone that has had higher than the recommended amount because of my absorption issues? Most and likely, yep. This is all with all vitamins and anything I've ever taken in the past. Yep. So when you have a, a specific condition like that, you're not everything's going to apply to you the same way, especially something like Crohn's disease. Yeah. So, you know, and whoever said there's no such thing as a hard gainer, I completely disagree with that. I got friends that are skinny as fuck, excuse my language, that can take steroids. They get like wiry and a little bit more vascular and they eat a lot, but they're still skinny as fuck because they're, they're, their bodies just want to burn everything up, you know? So, uh, and then I know people, you know, many of my black friends that can look at the gym and start growing, you know, and yeah. that's just a genetic <laughs> superiority. So there absolutely are hard gainers, but let's just say there are gainers that are, there are people that are gain way it's way harder for them than normal. That doesn't mean that they're they're not gonna gain. They're just gonna gain at a much different rate. Slower pace, yeah. So, you know, to me, when you know that you have a condition like Crohn's, you've gotta alter things specifically for that. Well, you gotta figure, just like anything else, like, okay, we put certain uh, compounds in products to exaggerate the absorption rate mm -hmm. or to, intensify the effect of something so with that is being put into a product to increase it for the average person and the average person has whatever in their stomach to have average absorption yep. and you have less than average absorption then those products aren't working as well as they would for a normal person so it would make sense to bump them up of course i mean we're putting black pepper and all this stuff so it absorbs better for you guys you know so it's not like we're not focused on absorption either it's just there's there's when you have a, a specific medical condition you you have to realize that all the tests and all the studies are done on people that are fine, you know? So you're going to have to, if you're a diabetic or if you have Crohn's or, you know, let's just say, I don't know, we can, we can keep talking about different conditions, like, but whatever your condition is going to be, you have to figure out for yourself what puts you at the same level as average, yeah. you know, like obviously there's more study on diabetes and what they should and shouldn't do than, than somebody with Crohn's. But I would say that it's safe to say that you probably need more because of the absorption issues. So either that or, or maybe, maybe what you want to do is low amounts, but very frequently. So mm. you can tap into that, that absorption, you know, let me get a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, then trying to throw too much in at once, because maybe if you're like, all right, I need more than everybody else, maybe you're going to take all that in, but you're going to still absorb the same and waste all the rest. Right. You'd have to do a specific trial and phase on yourself to see, try one month, one way, try one month, another way gauge your success i mean i always took a journal of everything that i did so i could know what was working for me back then um i don't do that anymore i but actually because you said that i had a great idea 
with Dave about a video series for you about going through some of your old journals uh-huh. and reading them for people on the podcast. So that way there, when you get some questions from yep. certain people, you could be like, ah, you may want to go back and watch vlog number whatever <laughs> we can do that I have, I have tons of journals of stuff, three so. hours of me going through a journal from when i was 22 and what i was taking and what was and wasn't working what way you know that might be actually like really fun even yeah. if people don't want to copy the 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 protocol or whatever just to hear what the protocols we were we'll find the, the the spots where guy sister nino fucking snuck in and wrote like messed up shit in my journal that yeah, i, would, see, I like, find out till two years later it would be so funny <laughs> um last question i've heard and read different things but if some someone plateaus would you make changes to their nutrition or their activity first so sorry so many questions p.s thank you josh for always doing this and keeping it super entertaining love the team and the family i'm forever grateful Jenna Geary. She's the best. She um, is the best. Thank you, Jen. We love you. So when I have when I hit a plateau, my myself personally, I change my training first. Or I take a break from training. And then I come back and I just kill it again. Now, certain people will tell you that you can train the same forever. Uh Zach Khan, for instance, who's a monster. Um, Dorian Yates is another one. Uh, they did the same workout every time. His ch- his chest workout was the same every time. Now that 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 doesn't mean he didn't try a bunch of stuff before he got to what he liked the most but for me i would i would switch the intensity of the style just just to just to mix things up totally for my body now most of the time you'll be able to get through plateaus by changing your nutrition so that should be the true gauge of success is where your nutrition's at and why so if you feel like you've been putting in a lot of work and you've been getting consistently the same results in the end by going either way up or way down in calories is going to shock your body for a period of time, and then you're going to want to, I think, go back to what makes the most sense scientifically for you. So sometimes when I have somebody that's trying to lose weight, right? I did this the other day. I'm not going to say his name on here, but he knows who he is, who is competing in the cyber bodybuilding contest. This guy was going really, really hard. He was getting good results, and all of a sudden his weight was exactly 208 for like 10 straight fucking days, excuse my language. And he couldn't understand it. He was trying harder and harder and harder, doing more cardio. So finally I was like, you know what, man? Just go out and eat a shitload of carbs. And he was like, really? And I go, yep. I go, just go out and eat a shitload of carbs. And he goes, what should I eat? I go, tell you what, eat, eat either a bunch of pancakes or go to Dunkin' Donuts and get two blueberry muffins. One or the other, I want you to eat just a bunch of enriched flour right now. He decided to go for the pancakes. And I was like, and just chug water after that. And the next day, he was 206 and a half. So it caused a shock to his, his metabolism. Now, it doesn't always work. But in this situation, it did. Now, when you're training for a bodybuilding show, sometimes these do or die scenarios require a little bit of luck. But if it's everyday life and there's no you know, timetable of when you're getting on stage that makes you stressed out, sometimes you've got to just shock your metabolism with more calories. A lot of people will like, All right, I don't like what's going on. I'm just going to cut a lot of food out, speed things up. Now, that also sometimes works, but I would rather see you change your body by building your metabolism more, which is only going to come from eating more food. All right. Next one says, hello, PJ. I recently started this stack, and I have one small thing that happens. Every time I take Paraburn, I get nauseous. It says to take 20 minutes before eating, and I do, and I still get nauseous. Is that normal at first? Well, try taking it like with the food, literally when you're eating the food and see if you still get nauseous. If you still get nauseous after that, my advice to you is don't take Paraburn anymore. Right. All right. Next one says, Hey guys, I'm not an avid listener to the podcast and I love the fun you guys 
bring to the quality information. I'm a 22 year old natural lifter. I have been training for four years. I'm 5'11 and weigh 72 kilograms. I have been able to gain weight from my, I've been able to gain weight from my 130 pound starting point. He's at 160 pounds now. Okay. The past year, my progress has significantly slowed. With additional brain fog and fatigue, in the past, I have previously used Glycolog, Glycolog 20, and Hype, Hype 20. <laughs> so maybe that not in the beginning was a, a typo. Maybe he actually is an avid listener. That's funny. <laughs> and I loved those products. After listening to the podcast, I contacted the customer support team to answer some of my questions. The legend, Chris Luke. Ah, the legend. <laughs> helped sort me out with some Apex male antigen and Halo Elite and some three-way. That's the KO King, by the way. Yep. And my order is currently on its way to Ireland, where I'm from. Wow. So I decided to get my blood work done to understand my body more. And although while getting my blood and although while getting my bloods taken, I fainted. This has never happened, and I have never fainted before. I have not received the results, as this has freaked me out. My question is: My question to you is what? What could cause this, and what can I do to prevent it? I intend on getting my blood work done more often when I moved into more advanced supplements. So I guess answer that first. Um, wait, so he does not have blood work. I guess he got it done, but he hasn't gotten the results yet. Um, but he was asking what he can do to prevent fainting while getting his blood taken. I mean, I don't know. I, I Same thing happened to me, too. And it happened I, to Fabian, actually. I ate a lot, a lot, a lot of food before I got it done. A lot of sugars, a lot of carbs, all different kinds of shit. And I still almost fainted. I don't think some people, it's it's a psychological thing when you're fainting. I, I, I don't mm. think that, that it's a physical thing. Oh, no. Mine was definitely like, I had no idea that was going to happen. It's really? never happened before, either. I don't know. Like, I've seen people panic hard in there. Oh, no. I had no, no. They put it into me, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I was like, damn, I'm fucking hot. And I started getting so hot. Literally, bro, I gushed sweat from my skin. Like, somebody took a bucket and threw it on me. My shirt was completely soaked through. My pants, my underwear, my socks, everything completely soaked through like it was dumped in a pool. Uh And I got pale white like this paper. And my head literally got so light, it felt like it wasn't attached to my body. Like, anything above my neck, it felt like it wasn't there. And I didn't feel like I needed to fall down or black out or anything. But I had to sit down and lay down until I got better. And they had to bring me Gatorade. But, like, I've never felt anything like that before hmm. other than when I go hypoglycemic in the gym. But it's never that intense. Interesting. I don't have an answer for that one because I don't know if doctors have an answer for that one because they just tell you to make sure that you've had some carbs or sugar before you do it. But I do mine fasted, and that's never happened. Like, I, I could do blood every day, and that will never happen. I don't yeah. know. But I, I, I can understand – when people faint because it's like an anxiety thing, they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get my blood. And, and, and they work themselves up into it because Aaron Singerman used to do that. See, I have no anxiety issues, especially with giving blood. And you, and, and you ate food, so it, it wasn't from that. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's some, I think it has something to do with taking certain individuals. Just you, you take that much blood from them at one point in time, it kind of sends a shock to their body. Mm-hmm. It's almost like their body knows, like, hey, this, I'm losing a lot of fucking liquid yeah, here. Those people <laughs> should probably not get stabbed or shot. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So if you could just avoid that, <laughs> just make sure that doesn't ever go down. <laughs> All right. Um, so the other questions that may be good for the podcast, what are the main diet and training differences between natural and enhanced athletes? Uh, well, I think that if you are enhanced because your body is going to synthesize protein better, you will eat more protein, which then in the gym, your body will be able to go farther. But really, you should still – use the same like core principles, whether you're natural or not natural, you're just going to get results a little bit differently. You know, sometimes people will, will say that natural people have to work harder. That's dumb. 
natural people can't work <laughs> as harder because they can't recover the same way because they're not on steroids. So the, the steroids are, are made to enhance the natural. So if you're training really hard naturally and you're getting the results that you're getting, you can add more protein. You can train harder and see what happens to your body. It's the same thing that you're going to do when you're on steroids as well. One is just going to give you a lot faster results. A lot of natural people believe that they have to train really, really heavy because they're natural. And when they see us doing these higher rep things, they're like, oh, that's like the juiced out way of that's training. That's just because you're on juice, bro. It's, 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 you didn't actually earn that. You should all train the same way. My, just, you're not going to recover as fast natural. That's the thing. My two... 250 pound squat is actually more impressive than your 500 pound squat because you're on all that gear. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> um, I really, I don't know why, but I just had this overwhelming feeling that at the beginning of that, you were just going to go with, oh, those guys are on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. The next question is if you could each give one piece of advice to your 18 year old self, what would it be? To my 18 year old self? Oh my God. Um, let's see. I don't know. I, I needed to give some good advice to my friggin' 32-year-old self. Fuck the 18. That kid was pretty good. <laughs> that kid was pretty good. He would not have married Celeste. That's for damn sure. He would have been like, hell no. My 18-year-old self was still a virgin. That's insane to me. Yeah. That is so crazy. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 19. Um, I guess if I could go back in time and see myself when I was 18, I would tell him I would fucking shake myself. And say, don't fucking get married without a prenuptial agreement. No matter what. Trust me, I'm from the future, I know. <laughs> I've been sent here to save you. And I'm sure anybody that knows me knows that my answer is exactly the same. I would go back to my 18-year-old self and say, do not waste four years and all that money on that cheating no. slut. Don't, Don't do that do shit. It. So dumb. So anybody, and it's so funny too, because when I fucking met her, a very good friend of mine came to me and said, you know, it's cool that you're in love and you met somebody and all that. I was like, that's great. I'm not trying to take it from you and I'm not trying to shit on that feeling you have. It's like, but whatever the fuck you do, do not spend your 20s with one person. Yeah. Do not. Don't do it. Do not spend your I 20s with one I spent my 20s person. with like 100 at least, so I was smart in that aspect. I fucked up in my 30s. But definitely your 20s. Yeah. Do not. Do your thing. All right. What is one book or a piece of media that has shaped you into what you are today? I've spoken about this on the show before. The E-Myth Revisited is – from a business, not not a personal, although it, my, my business really is my personal too, so I guess I shouldn't say it like that. From a business standpoint, The E-Myth Revisit, Revisited is a book that, you know, when I was first becoming a businessman, all the older business people were like, you got to read this book if you want to have success, or you got to read this book if you want to have sex. Well, a girl named Michelle uh, sent me, she actually sent it to me in the mail, the actual soft copy, cop, copy of The E-Myth Revisited. So I was like, you know what? She sent me this. I'm going to read it. And that book absolutely shaped me the most. And, and most of the way that I do things now really come from that book. So any strengths that I have as far as running a business really do come from that book. So when I teach people about strengths that I have from running a business, it's stuff that I did also learn from that book. Um, the only book that I would ever recommend to anybody to go read, and, and a lot of you are probably going to go look this book up and be like, he's a fucking retard, is a book called Fractal Time. And it is... A little bit whacked out at the end, but it's overall a very good book about like the, the way the world works and, and why things are calculated the way they are and like math and statistics mm -hmm. and shit like that. Like I'm terrible at math, so like I didn't really understand all of it the best as I could, but it, it's very in-depth and, and kind of semi-mind-blowing. Yeah, I not. mean there's, there's, there's so much good literature out there like that 
I'm sure would affect me more if I took the time to read it. I just right. ha- I just haven't like had time to just read a book. And that's another thing I was going to say is I don't I have not read I have not read a lot of books, but Fractal Time is the only book I would recommend and the only movie I would say that really shaped me into who I am today is um Zeitgeist. It's a documentary about uh, 9/11 being a conspiracy uh, I've heard of and that. I seen um it. how religion is a plagiarism of syst- of patterns that happen within the stars mm-hmm. uh, the whole story of baby Jesus being born and dying on a cross and rising three days later is all actually shit that happens in the stars like back in the day before people had movies and shit to watch there was nothing to do when the sun went down except for look at the fucking stars because that's all you could see because there was no lights so they literally just made stories of the movements that the stars made throughout the year and the procession of the stars and that is what religion came from and that's the first part of the movie. And the second part is how 9-11 is a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is basically educating you on how, like, banking should be illegal because what they do is fucked up. That, like, they can – like, 2% of the world's money is actual, like, paper currency and everything else is just numbers on a screen that mm-hmm. they can literally just continue multiplying by yeah. very fucked up means. Um, so that's the one movie that definitely shaped me. Uh, um, I think maybe it was you – told me about that movie and it does sound very very interesting i think that you guys can i think that you guys can find inspiration in many different places and in many different things and um if something inspires you to do something that's positive or better and you want to share it with somebody else that's great but you know i'll give you an example when i was young is when uh, The Secret first came out, right? Mm-hmm. It was a fucking really big deal. Excuse my language. Right. It sold like five trillion copies. <laughs> and uh, I had a really annoying English teacher that was like, <laughs> you all need to read this book. <laughs> so, I, um, so I actually, so this is the way that it worked. Actually, my mom read it first. And my mom re- recommended this book on the law of attraction to me, right? And I read it and it was good. And so because of that, I then decided that I was going to read The Secret, which was also very good. And then right before I left Connecticut, I read a book called The Power. And it's, it's, it's written by Rhonda Byrne, the girl that, that wrote The Secret. And I actually find that book to be more profound than The Secret. It's kind of like <laughs> The Power is kind of like, like uh, Zion Gold Extracts. And The Secret is kind of like, you know, like Nirvana. Oh, so I'm going to go read The Power. <laughs> yeah, if you want to like really like take like extract the intense stuff from the secret into stuff that like you really will apply and, and make sense out of the power. I read the power in one day. That's how much it got me. Really? I actually started reading it and about 30 pages in, I was like that hooked where I knew I was like, let's just keep reading. Let's just face this book. And I actually <laughs> read the book and it's not a hard book to read in a day. I mean, I was tired afterwards, but it's something that You'll read it and be like, I do that. I don't do that. I do this. Whoa, I do that. Holy shit, that makes sense the whole time you're, you're reading it. And because I read that book, once I went to California, so I went to California like fresh after reading that shit, like I'm going to take over the world. I then went backwards and I got the CDs for The Secret and I listened to them. I had, a, I had about a 45 to an hour minute drive each way every day when I was in California and I listened to them in the car. So that audio kind of hit me a little bit different at that time in my life. I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes you can read something that'll influence you a lot and sometimes it won't, but you may come back to it later on. It may do a lot more to you. Um, 
I could actually pick up the E-Myth Revisited and read it now and might be like, wow, I'm not applying some of these things the right way. So typically if somebody that you trust or respect is recommending you a book and, and, and they're, they're saying they think that'll benefit you, it probably will for the most part. You just got to find the time to actually do it. Um, what are the biggest mistakes you see guys make when trying to make it with a chick? <laughs> um, trying to be too cool is, an, is one that's like a, a big waste. Don't try to be too fucking cool. Don't try to fucking say all the good shit you do and how much money that you make. That actually kills your, your odds usually. Immediately. Right I'll tell you this is going to sound cliche and 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 because <laughs> uh, uh, I already it is. But making a girl laugh is the best way to hook up with a girl, dude. Like like making her laugh. I know it sounds cliche, but I always got chicks even when I was fat when I was young because I was smart and I was funny. And so like people usually want to hang out with the funny guy. You know, like it, it makes them relax. It, it makes them, you know, feel good. Feel good. That's a great, that's a better way in than bragging about yourself. Than anything else. Um, funny guys get more pussy yeah. than any cool guy, than any good looking guy, than any sports player. Funny guys wreck them every day. Now, if you want to get into psychological warfare, we can do that on a whole n- different episode because I can go on for this for hours. So I like to feel that I mastered this for a while. When you're dealing with certain kind of chicks, like fitness industry chicks, I can fucking write a book on how to hook up with these chicks, but it's much different than regular world chicks. Much different. Fitness industry chicks, you actually have to almost put them down a little bit, but it's not an intentional put down. You don't go at them and be like, you're ugly. That's not how you do it. Typically, what you do is be like, oh, I don't really like that photo shoot. You know, they didn't like show you in the right light or, you know, you could have been tighter at your show and, you know, maybe you shouldn't have wore that suit. Things like that that jog their brain, they make, that makes them start questioning you. And then they start coming to you because they're like, wait a minute, you know, nobody else he ever knows. tells me, he nobody ever, uh, else ever tells me that he must know something that can make me better. And you can kind of reel them in that way. And it's, 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 I call it psychological warfare because you're tricking them basically. Um, but it works. It works great. It's probably a bunch of listeners out there. They're like, damn it. He did that to me. Yeah. Tara does it to me all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. All right. Thank you, PJ and Josh, for taking the time for us. You don't need to answer those last questions. I just included them for fun. Loyalty. The ones that we just answered? Yeah. Damn it. Loyalty is everything. Blackstone for life. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> That's fine. I like those. Those were good. What's up, PJ and Josh? Loving the podcast. As always, I've got two questions for you. First, I remember you answering my question about whether or not we'll ever see BSL in Vitamin Shop or GNC, but how much different would it be if it came to supplying a university's aesthetic program with protein? For example, I know Cytosport supplies FSU with muscle milk. What does a contract such as that look like? And do you think Blackstone would ever pursue a route like that? Second, what are y'all's three biggest gym pet peeves? All right, so I would absolutely supply any university that wanted my protein, and it most likely would directly not make me that much money. Indirectly is what you're going for after that because the margins on protein are very shitty anyway. Um, protein companies don't make money unless they're optimum nutrition. They own all the cows in the world. Yeah. Like it would probably cost you a good amount of money for a couple of months before you would start seeing. Absolutely. Now the benefit would be that hopefully all these athletes that are like, Oh, my, my school has black salons protein in the locker room then goes and tries the other products that won't get them kicked off the team. And you make money in that, in that regard. That's, or, that's or the they just tell everybody hey yo this blackstone labs protein that i get at Mm -hmm. school for free is pretty dope like i would even buy it or they would hopefully have it you know on the sidelines or something like backgrounds of pictures and stuff like that at bodybuilding.com i noticed that in their gym i thought this was really cool that they had um 
they had, I believe it was Cytosport, actually protein in their gym. Like they had a little dispenser of it. I'm like, oh, that's neat. And I'm like, it'd probably be cool to have like Blaston Labs in here. Like all the people at bodybuilding.com are using Blaston Labs protein. Now I'm, I'm assuming they just got some like either crazy deal or it was free from them. But, you know, maybe they thought I'm going to give all their employees this free protein. And they're going to try to push my shit faster. So, right. you know, you have to think of, of you know, what what's going to come of it. And what are y'all's three biggest gym pet peeves? All right, so here's here's something that I really fucking hate in the gym. Excuse my language. We've talked about this, I, I know, on a podcast before. Numerous times. Is the people that dick around on the machines for too long and don't want you to work in. Because yep. here's the deal. I don't fucking want anybody to work in, but I let everyone work in. Like, if somebody's like, can I work in? You're basically saying, can I fuck up what you're doing? In my opinion. And now, I, I feel that I'm allowed to say that because... I know that I work out way faster than most people. So when you ask somebody to work in, it's it's proper etiquette for them to say yes. Now, when I'm working with somebody, I'm going really fast. So I know that I'm not really screwing them up. In fact, sometimes when I'm working with somebody, I'll get in two sets for their every one, and it's not screwing them up. But when somebody comes to working with me, they're, they're fucking me up, but it's proper etiquette to do it. So when you say no to somebody, or you're like, well, I, I have this still and this, like you're being an asshole, and you're basically hoarding something to yourself that's not even yours that drives me fucking crazy excuse my language now i mean I, there's a lot of things that bother me in the gym i hate when people don't put their, their weights back you know how many people have actually come up to me and be like damn i can't believe that you put all your weights back i'm like why because i'm pj braun like that that like because i've been doing this shit for a while that means i shouldn't put my weights back like not putting your weights back is a majorly assholey thing not to do not putting your dumbbells in the right spots i also find it me terribly fucking annoying now sometimes I wind up having to put my dumbbells not in the right spot simply because I have no idea why there are 80s where the 20s should go, but I got to find a spot to put them somewhere. Otherwise, I'm leaving them on the floor. This is very common at LA Fitness, by the way. The other day, I searched for a solid 10 minutes for 25-pound dumbbells, and I know that there's more than one set of them in there. They were nowhere to be found. Later on, I found two of them in the leg area, so I'm guessing maybe they were doing like lunges with dumbbells and then like supersetting it with hack squats or squats, but they didn't put them back. And then the other ones were conveniently not next to each other and underneath the rack, like buried away. So Hidden. how they got there, I don't know either. But for me, like anytime I've used something in life, whether it was in the gym or anywhere else, I've put it back where it started from. That's like proper etiquette in the world, you know, not just in the fucking gym. So that's another annoying thing. I don't know. What do you have that's annoying? Um... Excuse my language, by the way. So obviously those two bother me. Um, to touch on one of those similarly is like when I go in, I have, you know, I work out with Tara and she hasn't like we haven't been together long enough to where it's like, yo, we've been training together for four years. You know how it goes. Like I'm yep. still teaching her the best way to go about every workout and, and, you know, why it's better to do this instead of that. And that takes away from my workout. But yeah. I, I have no problem doing that because I want her to learn. I want her to, to better herself. So. I already take that hit in my workout mm -hmm. because I love her and I want her to improve, which is no problem, not a big deal. I go in there knowing that. But then when I already know that like I'm going to have to make up for that deduction of my attention towards my workout, then when I finally have her set up and ready to go and, and she needs to do what she needs to do and then I'm doing my set and then I tell her, you know, go up five or 10 pounds for your next set and then there's just no fucking weights for the women to use ever. It's like, it seems to me like somebody goes in and finds all of the light dumbbells and hides them. Yep. 
Why? This Why is a common LA fitness thing. She can never yeah, find dumbbells so under 30 pounds. And if she can, there's never a set. And it's like, dude, why do I always have to walk around looking for my girlfriend's weights? Because none of you dickheads that are either doing your last burnout set or whatever can't go put the shit back. Or it's the other women, usually the old ones, that go and take them and take them in groups of like six dumbbells at a time and go and bring them over to like the yoga area and hoard them for themselves. It's a gym. It's a gym. We all pay the same amount. Nobody, if you look at the thing on the wall that says nobody can use more than one piece of equipment at a time. So like, yeah, if you're doing a superset, you're technically breaking the rules. Yeah. But if you're breaking the rules in a way that it's not bothering anybody else, nobody's going to care. But if I'm trying to do a superset on something that you're using seven of and you're not working out and you're just texting and you have literally eight dumbbells. So you've got 20, 25, 30 and 35. And now my girl can't use any of them and I can't use any of them because you're texting. I'm just going to take them. I just take them. I literally don't even, I ask. And then if they say no, I just take them. And then when they get mad, I'm like, well, I physically couldn't take them from you if they were in your hands. There's no way I would have taken them out of your hands. Yeah. So how could they possibly be in my hands currently as we're having this conversation <laughs> if I took them from you because you didn't have them in mm -hmm. your hands. And so that's my real big pet peeve. And not to just like, you know, touch on the same ones you did, but one that did, I, I makes me want to yell at people every time they do it. Like, if I'm fucking doing a set and you come and stand in front of me in the mirror. I hate that. Oh, my God. I fucking hate you. Yep. I hate that. I, I, I don't understand hate how somebody could even think that's okay, though. Like, and people do it all the time. Like, if I accidentally do it to somebody, when I realize, I'm like, yo, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. You know what I'm I saying? I move out of the way fast, but I know what as I'm fast I know as that can. I know that I just, oops, did something wrong. So that's, I don't, if I truly don't know that I did it, as soon as I realize it, I'm like, yo, I'm so sorry. I hate when people do that to me. Like, I promise I wasn't doing it intentionally. And that pet peeve ties into all my other gym pet peeves because I just spent 20 minutes waiting for the dude to get off the preacher curl. I just spent 20 minutes trying to find a fucking dumbbell. I just spent 20 minutes waiting for the dude to get out of my mirror real estate in front of me and I'm going to set up for my set and then you get in front of me and I'm ready to throw it at you. I've just waited 60 minutes here to try and get yeah. like one quality set in because everybody else can't fucking have proper gym etiquette <laughs> and you just fucked it up for me. And now I've been quiet this whole time and now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, now that we're talking about this, it's making me think of a lot of other things that I really don't fucking like in the gym. So I really don't like when people let the stack crash down on like the lat pull down or the pec oh deck, like God. things like that. I hate that. When, especially when it's loud enough where it stops everybody what they're doing. Like your set wasn't that intensely hard that you have to let it crash down. That that I've I've actually walked over to people and been like, don't do that when, yeah. when they do that before. So that drives me crazy. Another thing that really pisses me off in the gym, and this is another LA Fitness thing, by the way. This is this has not really happened to me in other gyms, but I guess it's because there's so many members at LA Fitness. Yeah. So, in my opinion, if somebody comes over and they want to to use something that you or maybe somebody else is using, maybe it's a couple people using it, so it doesn't make sense for them to 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 take to do it. it. Or let's say there's like an attachment. That somebody's like, oh, how many more sets do you have with that, with that rope? And they're like, I got three more. And you're like, all right, I'll wait. You know, you really want to use that fucking rope. Right. The proper thing to do is to give the rope to that person that's been waiting. Yeah, not let another person to come up and take it. Yeah, so the other day, this happened to me, and it made me really fucking mad, and I yelled at the guy. So I wanted to do uh, rope pushdowns, right? And um, the guy that was using the rope pushdowns, I was like, um, oh, uh, do you have a lot more sets with this? And he's like, yeah, I got a little bit. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go look for another one. I go, it's funny. It seems like there's only one rope in this gym. And the guy was like, oh, I think there's another one over here, um, over in, in the ab area. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I go over to the ab area, looking around, looking around, looking around. I don't see it. So I go back over, and now there's a new person starting to use the rope. So I'm like, huh, 
So I'll go, oh, hey, and I was just waiting to use that. And he was like, no, the guy said he was done. And I go, yeah, he told me there was a rope over there. And I went to look for it. There wasn't one. I go, do you want to work in with me? And he was like, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. He's like, if you have to do this. And I was like, you know what, man? How about this? I'll do it when you're done. And I went over to the guy. And I go, why did you give that guy the rope? I just came to you. You sent me across the gym for a rope that wasn't there. So you knew that I wanted the rope. Why didn't you tell that guy, oh, that guy is next. But see if he wants to work in with you. And the guy was like, oh, he was all confused. He didn't know what to do. I was like super fucking angry about that. And then I just walked away, of course. But that is a, is a majorly dick, dicky thing to do. It all comes down to manners and etiquette in there. That's like... Like going back to the superset thing is like, you know, obviously if you're, if you're using something and somebody doesn't see you using it and they come up and start using it and you're on the other thing and you look over at them like, bro, I was using that. How would they have known? Yeah. How would they have ever known? So like that third guy that walked up, he's obviously not going to know that you were fucking waiting for it. How the fuck would he have known? No, he didn't know. So it's the fucking dude that you walked up to and you're like, Hey man, can I use that? He's like, no, there's probably one over there. Why don't you go look for it? And you go looking for it. And then another guy comes up, whatever. And he's like, Oh, I'm done. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. That, that, that really irritated me the other day, but these are like, you know, that or like when you're on leg press or like something that there's a lot of plates involved and somebody comes up and wants to work in with you. I will literally just tell them, you know, by all means, I'm, 100% 100% down to working with you as long as you're going to be within one to two plates of what I'm doing and you're going to unrack one side. I'll tell you something about about, <laughs> about about the leg press with a lot of these plates too. This is another thing that I see a lot at LA Fitness. Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate watching Ronnie Coleman in the old videos leg pressing like 2,000 pounds. And God bless whoever put all those weights on and off because I don't think it was Ronnie. <laughs> it sure as fuck wasn't Ronnie. And I don't think it was Ronnie. So here's the thing. Nobody out there is is so fucking strong that they really need to be doing more than like 10 plates on each side of the leg press. 10 plates on each side of the leg press is enough, okay? That's 20 fucking plates. So sometimes I will see people that have literally every 45 in the gym on the leg on press. On the fucking leg press. And you know what? That person never, And they're stacking it on top. And they're putting the girls on the stack. Good. And yes. they're putting their dog on top of their girl on top it's of so the stack. Stupid. That person never looks good either. Fuck off, dude. It's the same thing with the dudes that make the weight crash. You're only doing it to get people to look yeah, at you, it's like, and it's not that impressive. The other day, I, I, I like made fun of a guy. I, I don't want to say I made fun of him. That's not the right, right way to put this, but I kind of like put the guy on the spot um, because I was leg, leg pressing what I suppose this old woman thought was an inadequate five plates on each side, right? Now, I'm doing it 20 reps, very good form, late in my workout, and this jabroni next to me that doesn't look like he works out at all had – Literally, both of the, you know, both of the things stick out, filled up with 45s and the 45s on the top, right? And the lady's like, hey, look at him, huh? Not as big as you, but he is strong. And I go, he is not even close to doing it right at all. He's not as big as me because he's doing this. I go, (laughs) what he's doing is a waste of time. And the guy heard me saying it. I go, it's actually stupid. I go, look at her. And I pointed at Marissa. I go, she's actually getting way more out of what she's doing with four plates. I go, that's strong. That's impressive. Yeah. And the lady was like, oh. So I have to come down all the way when I do it. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's the point. Doing what he's doing is just does nothing, except for make people like us think that he's an idiot. Those four-inch Supermans are <laughs> not so impressive. Um, so, yeah, I can't stand that kind of shit. And I uh, – I also probably one of my also my biggest pet peeves in the gym are when people sing the song they're listening to. In the gym. <laughs> that happens a lot. I though. fucking hate that. Like, yo, you hit a lyric here or there, like I'm big pampin', whatever, you know. What if it's like a really hot chick? Ballin' hard, you know. Hit it up, do your ad libs, whatever you got to get in there by all means. But like, and even if it's a hot chick, 
Unless she sounds like Adele, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. It, you don't really get that with hot chicks that much, but you sometimes the Brazilian girls will sometimes do that. I might let them do because they're they're like they're they're like very the Brazilian girls in the gym. So this is kind of funny because I was working. That's their out, zone, though. I was working out in a gym that had no Brazilian girls for a while, and now I'm in a gym that's mostly Brazilian girls. For starters, they work out in just their sports bra, which is great, which is lovely. Even if they're in, even if they're not in shape, they they, they don't care. No, nope. which I'm all for that. Yep. Um, all about it yeah I, I am and and they get very like sassy to their music like in between sets and stuff they start like doing the hips and like like feeling themselves like in between the sets and I find that to be very entertaining when I'm in the gym yeah I do I like that I support it but I'm like alright so like one time a dude was fucking singing I'ma roll my windows down and cruise <laughs> in the gym and I like could only take it for so long and it seemed like he was following us around until eventually I literally just took my headphones out and then as he was singing I just I sang over him how amazing is it that that is what was like motivating him to train though and that's what I was saying I was like dude there's no way you're getting pumped to this like this is really hyping you up right now it's fucking like Florida Georgia line I used to uh, I used to train with this guy uh, Mark Mark Manza who's this big huge Italian guy and he was about 10 years older than me and he was kind of kind of from like the sound factory like big time era um, and so one day I was like, this dude's str so strong, right? Like he was mentioned like four or five for 10. I was like, I just want to know what he's listening to. Cause he's like, I see he's really into it. And so I took his headphones. I was like, let me see what you're listening to. Christina Aguilera. No, it was, this is the rhythm of the night. Oh, that's so good. And I was like, no way. That will kind of get you going. And he was like, that doesn't get you going. And I was like, not really. I'm like, I'm listening to like really hard metal. I um, can't believe that's what you're listening to. And he's like, yeah, the beat gets you going. See, like, honestly, I can... I can kind of relate. Like that's like there's certain EDM songs that I would not listen to except for in the gym. Like electronic music it gets my blood going, that's bro. Funny. All right, this next one says, "Hey PJ and Josh, my name's Will. I'm 17, 145 pounds and about 5 foot 6 or 7. I had an I had I had an eating and exercise disorder in the past. I've been through a lot of severe calorie restriction and beating up my body through exercise. My chest was hurting me like puffiness and pain for no reason, swollen, etc. I went to get my hormones tested and my test levels were 212. My TSH was 3.124. I have a bilateral sub subareolar gynecomastia greater on the left than the right. I've been telling them that I think that I had gyno and my test and thyroid are messed up, but they didn't ever listen. And now they sent me to a children's endocrinologist and she didn't do anything for me. Huh. I'm not sure what to do and what do you think would be the best thing to do to try to fix myself? Like buying some Clomid, Letro or T3 or trying to get a prescription for HRT. I do three hours of cardio a day and oh eat around God. 800 to 1,000 calories to maintain my oh weight. Oh my God. I feel like I get worse day by day and i don't know what to do my cortisol is high my progesterone is at the top of the range my lh and fsh are low i'm super depressed and down all the time i'm not sure what to do anymore any advice how old is this person said 17. oh my god what's going on and this um, person never abused steroids says i'm 17 145 pounds about five seven had an eating and exercise disorder in the past been through a lot of severe calorie restriction beating up my body body through exercise oh my god um this is a nightmare this is all his his he uh, has got to got to got to get a hrt doctor um to be 17 and have these numbers that bad is very very scary so these numbers are what would be considered chronically bad um 
even for a fully grown man. Yes, this like is, somebody that's been is, through is the entire. Par- particularly scary. Um, wow. Uh, well, let's just go through this piece by piece for a minute. So the poor kid, through puberty and what he's done to himself with puberty, has developed gynecomastia, which unfortunately isn't going to go away. Um, I'm very surprised that they did not want to prescribe anything for the gynecomastia because they could have prescribed him some anastrozole or as, as us in the world call it, Arimidex, um, to see if it would, it would wipe it out. Uh, no mammographic evidence of malignancy. Wow, so all they did was look to see if there was any sort of like tumor markers in it. Uh, if symptoms persist, surgical consultation may be of benefit. Wow. Get a new doctor, please. Wherever you went, this is terrible. Absolutely terrible. So you really need an HRT doctor. Now, I don't know where to send you at 17 years old. You're going to need a specialist. So here's what I want you to do when you listen to this podcast. Email me, pj at blackstonelabs.com. I have many friends that are doctors in this field, and I will see which one of them, if any of them, uh, can help you. And if they cannot, I will have them send me where you should go. It looks like you're in Illinois. Um, But you need a specific hormone uh, doctor, and these numbers are very bad. They can absolutely be corrected. Uh, It's a shame that they're this bad. So I will absolutely help you out. I will not tell you what to take. Um, I know what I would do if you were an adult, but you're 17 and this is, you got a whole long life ahead of you. I have a feeling I know what the doctors are going to tell you to do. Uh, but I would like you to get it straight from a doctor. So my advice is to email me and I will put you in touch with them. I feel that saddens me to see that. I was going to say, I feel really bad. That sucks, man. I'm so sorry for you, bro. That's well, just shitty dude. To go f- to, you know, that was the last question, but to spin it in the opposite, let me talk about what I did in my in-body test today. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, such a funny time to fucking talk about this, but I forgot to talk about it in the minute, beginning, and I want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how much better I am now than you, kid. No, I'm oh, just kidding. Fuck. I'm going to help you. That's email so me. <laughs> so, I'm going to help you out a, a lot, I promise. Oh, man, you already know. Somebody's going to sound bite that shit I know. and blast it all I over know. the internet. I'd be like, PJ Braun hates children. <laughs> <laughs> Moon cookie, don't get on me for that. And where are your questions, by the way? You screwed up my Q&A today. So today I did, uh, I went to Body 20 in Meisner. And it was, for starters, it was way harder than I thought. So I highly recommend that everybody go try this just to, just to test your, like, manhood. Um, because I was, like, pouring sweat after. Karen agreed, too. Karen was like, I was happy when it was done. She was like, <laughs> I, she was like I just want to lay there on the floor. And we didn't even go on the, high, the highest setting. So now huh. here's the thing, though. I believe that I could take the highest setting for sure. Um, but what really screwed me up is that I drank uh, Dust Extreme, actually, not even Dust X. And DMAA was a bad idea for this. Because let me tell you something. You actually don't need a pre-workout at all for this. Because even though you're working out your body, you're really not working out, right? So, you know, like if you took like DMAA and you had to go do a bunch of shit outside, like, like picking up rocks and shit, it would help you. You know, you, you'd have more energy to do it. And if you go into the gym, of course it helps you. Well, you're really just standing in the same spot when you do this. There's not a lot of movement. There's just a lot of muscle contractions. So what was happening was I'm trying to focus on these contractions. Your, your core is contracting. Everything's contracting. But have you ever just drank 
pre-workout and 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 kind of just sat sedentary yeah yeah one time i, I drank pre-workout and then i got stuck in really bad traffic in and california i just really wanted to get the fuck out of my car yeah so i found that i was getting almost like anxiety a little bit yeah and i was very dry in my mouth and i had a little bit of a nauseous feeling because so. you have so much energy and nowhere to put it <laughs> it was a bad idea that that i would not recommend that now I, I enjoyed it a lot, and they also, before you do it, you do the in-body machine, which scans you, which uh, the first time I ever did the in-body machine, I was definitely fatter than I am now, and it told me that I was 8.8 on a different machine, so there are going to be discrepancies from machine to machine. This machine said that I was 12, which I was like, I'm definitely leaner than that, but whatever, we'll say that I'm 12 on the machine. So a couple of very interesting things that, that this machine told us. So when I was done with the test, I told the guy, I said, you know what, my left leg is like burning right now. Like it's considerably more tired than my right leg. And he goes, well, that makes sense. He's like, your left leg is almost a full pound of less muscle than the right leg. The machine huh. can, can tell you that. That's he, crazy. He's like, so both legs were getting the same output as far as what the machine was telling them to do. But one leg had a full pound more muscle to work with. And I go, you know what? That's really interesting because my right leg is absolutely bigger than the left leg when I look at it in the mirror. And my left leg recently, it, my back was bothering me. I went to the doctor. It turned out that my, my left glute was shut off. And he was like, dude, this muscle's not even firing. You, you can actually see that it's atrophied. And Dr. Hassan Katami, he stripped it up and uh, did ART on it. And uh, it feels a lot better now. My back pain has gone away. And so I'm probably recruiting those muscle fibers again. So that means this leg was firing way harder than it's been used to in a while. So that's very cool. The other thing that he told me was that my right arm, he was like, you must have had some sort of bad injury to your right arm or shoulder. And I was like, actually, I tore my right bicep, had reconstructive surgery on it. And my right shoulder is destroyed. And he goes, well, your right arm is actually a pound more muscle, almost. It was like 0.8 or something more than uh, the other side. And he goes, that's a big number. He goes, because a pound on your leg is like a good amount anyway, but a pound on a, an arm is a lot. And um, so that means that that my right arm is noticeably smaller. Um, that, and I see that anyway. And um, it's not going to be able to perform the right way. So pretty cool things that like a computer is telling you that that you can figure out on your own of course if you pay attention um another thing that i i was very pleased with was my visceral level of fat is very low which is good you don't want to have those fat uh you know accumulating around your organs but at the end he had what is called the in-body score right and the in-body score is what the computer decides is the evaluation of your body composition and mine was 111, which he said he's only seen one other person over 100 before. So mine was actually the highest he's ever seen in about 1,000 tests that he said. Um, Karen's was 79, which is very, very good. He said basically in the 90s, you're a professional athlete. And over, over 100, like you've got to be some sort of like high-level bodybuilder or you just have a shitload of functioning muscle on your body. So I'm taking this with me because I went to this today for a demo for the video and I walked out as the highest in-body score that he's ever had. So thank you to Zach. Who let How us long did it take? Um, if you went in and didn't do all the bullshit that we did, not bullshit, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say like that. If you went in and weren't shooting a video, it would you'd be in and out in 30 minutes. Damn, I want to go. You should go. It's pretty cool. How much is it? Uh, your first time is free, especially if you say Blackstone Labs, everybody that listens to this. Oh, shit. So look at that. You have no reason to not go no. and see. Tell us, come and comment. What your number is compared to PJ's? PJ's one eleven. He's had the highest in over a thousand tests. Beat so me. let us know. We want to know what your number is because I'm probably gonna go and get it done just to see what my number is next to PJ's because I want to see if I'm if over you 100. beat me. If you go into the body twenty and you can pr show proof with your name and everything on on it 
with a higher score than me, I will give you the stack of your choice. Dope. How about that? That's pretty sweet. Look at that. A little contest at the end of this podcast. Only for mm-hmm. the podcast listeners. Only for the podcast listeners. I um I want to go back and do the cardio one. So there's a a uh weight, you know, we workout stimulant one and there's a, a calorie burning one, which is the calorie burning one you can do three times a week. The actual like body training one you can you should only do once a week. Um because it's gonna really attack your muscles in such a different way that it'll fuck up your actual workout training because mm-hmm. it'll be considered overtraining. So right. Um, I wasn't going to train, uh, tomorrow anyway, cause I'm traveling to New York for, uh, to see my friends up at natural body. So it's perfect timing. Now, when I went in there today, I was like, I will work out after when I finished it. I was like, Nope. Karen said the same thing. She was like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tiring. It was kind of fun. Um, cause it's very different than what you're used to. That's cool. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to substitute the weights for me. Cause I love lifting the weights, but it was a cool addition to what I do now. So, and this will actually, this, the science supports and makes sense that it'll make you stronger in the gym because if you're going to stimulate all these, these muscle fibers, right. And you're stimulating stuff that you don't normally stimulate when you go to the gym, you will be able to recruit more muscle fibers because of this. So that was actually going to be my, my thought is obviously since I started going to the gym uh, for whatever reason, like whether it's my car or anything i'm super super ocd about symmetry Mm -hmm. so when you start dieting for the first time and start seeing like what your muscle looks like and which one is actually leaner or bigger or a different shape than the other side especially abs like when i got shredded one of my lower abs like my bottom one is a little bit smaller than the one next to it Mm -hmm. and it drove me fucking crazy i was like the other five look great no the symmetry bothers me too but that last sixth one makes me want to just get fat so I never have to see it ever again. <laughs> and so, like, with my biceps, with my triceps, anything, the one that's bigger, I'm always like, okay, for a long time, I thought, like, yo, add two more reps on the end of every exercise for that that side. I've been there, been there, done that, yep. But it obviously doesn't fucking work. <laughs> so, and if it does work, it works at such a slow rate. That Wouldn't it be awesome if that was it, though? Just do a couple more on that side. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll balance that well, out. I mean, I just feel like... I, I even used to do a, a couple less on the good side. Or I'll do that. Yeah. Or I'll do that. And then, eventually, <laughs> I started doing... The thing where if I'm doing any exercise that's isolated on one side and you do the other one afterwards, my thought that, and tell me if this doesn't make some sense, is I always start on the weaker side and take it to failure. Yes. And then the good side, I that only does match make, the number. That, that makes sense, though, because if you start on the stronger side and go to failure, you're, you're not going to hit it on you the other can't. side and you're going to be very upset with yourself. Yeah. And not even just that, but then you're going to promote the yep. issue. Whereas if you start on the weaker side, go mm-hmm. to failure every time, and then you go to the stronger side, and you only go to that number and never more, maybe even one less, then how could you ever be working backwards again, right? No, that's, that's, that is something that actually will help. You know, that's the only thing that's ever made sense to me. When you're training, you want to get a good combination of unilateral and bilateral exercises because if you don't, you will not – ever be able to work around your imbalances or if you only do the barbell for everything you're never you're always going to have a dominant side now here's the deal if you only do you know dumbbells and single arm movements for everything you're not going to be able to teach those muscles to work in unison together so there's a benefit to both ways you're always going to be a bitch (laughs) um yes you will always be a bitch so my symmetry is actually way off. Karen's was perfect. Karen is like actually an almost perfect symmetry. So that brings me back. Which to bothered my, her because she wants a bigger booty. My actual thought is now utilizing something like that, which obviously they didn't have 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Could you, by using this week after week after week, maybe in the course of a year, 
give yourself perfect symmetry. You, I think in I think that it would be much harder the bigger you get, and I'll explain why. So your right arm, my right arm, my left arm, and my trunk, right? Your trunk is considered basically your head down to your glutes. So that's a lot of area, yeah. right? So that portion of my body um, has a lot of mass. My left arm has you know a lot of mass. My right arm has a lot of mass, almost as much as the left. But then there's a drop-off for my legs. So my trunk as they call it, and arms are way, way more of my body than my legs. So to balance that out, you would have to basically have like Branch Warren-ish legs and shrink down the upper body for me to achieve that symmetry. So I would have to actually get my torso and arms considerably strong, smaller while getting my legs way bigger. Considerably bigger. Um, to, to even it out, which I think would be pretty difficult. Now, many girls are going to not want to have that symmetry, which is interesting. Like Karen was like, damn, I want my booty to be to be the biggest, you know. So she was actually very balanced. I was actually more so saying symmetry from left to right, not well so that. More. Yeah, well that um, to me, I, I always looked at symmetry from every angle. Like I wanted everything to flow perfect, like Flex Wheeler, basically. Right. That's the most perfectly symmetrical body you're ever gonna see. Um, on here, I don't know that it would be possible for me, unfortunately, to achieve symmetry in my arms because I've had reconstructive surgery. On right. Yeah. My legs, though, is interesting because that's coming more from a hip thing. Um, so that I, I do think that could be fixed in many ways. So very interesting stuff. Turn, turning something that we've all been doing for a long time into as scientific as possible. It's pretty neat. I think that was a good way to uh, end it off. Mm -hmm. So um, we hope you guys have happy holidays. PJ is out of here to head to New York to uh, see the dudes out at Natural Body and uh, mm -hmm. do an in-store meet and greet with all the good folks in New York City. Mm -hmm. And when he gets back, we will have another fresh podcast ready to go for y'all. So send us your questions. Uh, go and do the in body. Try to get a higher number than PJ. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I actually put it in the agenda. You probably don't know it yet because you're not on the regular agenda. I don't think you are. Uh, I think I might. I might be. I might oh, you are be. good. Then you may. Then you will know that uh, we already have a guest in place for the next podcast. So I didn't see it. Steph Sakara is going to be in town. I'm. Uh -huh. a, I'm. She's a client of mine now. Some of you may know her as the Ab Chick. And uh, I'm going to do a workout and some posing, and I'm going to bring her on the podcast. She has a very big girl-specific following. Girls really like her. So ladies that listen to the podcast, if you want to ask her some questions, uh, for instance, how can she put up with a guy like me because she's pretty straight edge? You can hear that from her. Um, but we'll have her here on the next podcast. So, All right. Well, you guys tune in for the next one. Happy holidays. And we're going to end this like we always do with a peace out. Bye.